Welcome to Fully Vetted Animal Care News from the Clinic to the Farm, presented by the Ohio Veterinary Medical Association. And here is your host, Mia Cunningham, and producer, Kristen Bennett. So welcome today on Fully Vetted. We are happy to have Dr. Colleen Opremchek from the Ohio Physicians Health Program with us. As we know, wellness overall is, is a challenge for a lot of people. Dr. Opremchek came to talk to us specifically about resources and services available to veterinarians. Welcome to the podcast. We want to thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you, Mia. Absolutely. Would you mind starting off by telling us a little bit about your background and your current role at Ohio Physicians Health Program? Sure. I'm a psychiatrist with fellowship training in mind-body medicine, and I've been in practice in the Columbus area for over 40 years. And before coming to the Ohio Physicians Health Program, I ran the Practitioner Health and Wellness Program at Ohio Health for many years. And in my current role, I see practitioners with primary mental health disorders or co-occurring mental health and substance use disorders, as well as practitioners dealing with stress and burnout. I'm also working with the Ohio Physicians Wellness Coalition on programming to help address practitioner burnout across the state of Ohio. As I understand, your position as a wellness coordinator is newly created. So what other initiatives do you envision rolling out during your tenure? We are doing a lot of programming, as I mentioned earlier, with the Ohio Physicians Wellness Coalition, and a lot of them are educational. So having focus groups of doctors meet together to talk about the stresses that they're facing in their practices, and then talking about tools that they can learn and practice that will help build their resilience. And we offer now the ability to come in to our facility to OPHP and sit down with myself as wellness director and with our clinical director to look at you individually as a person and develop a plan for you that takes into account all the things that you're struggling with. As we know, there is an increasing need for mental health services in the profession. What recommendations do you have for listeners who might be in need of or seeking treatment to address compassion fatigue? Listeners can call us to set up a time to come in for an assessment, which will include a meeting with our clinical director, who's a master's prepared professional counselor with training in both mental health and addiction, meeting with myself, and having psychometric testing if indicated. A wellness plan will be tailored to the listener to address their concerns and may include linkage with a case manager who will be available for regular support and coaching sessions. Listeners can also access the Ohio Physician Wellness Coalition website to access local, state, and national resources to address wellness. There are free CME educational videos on a variety of topics related to compassion fatigue on this website, and your veterinary licensing board is working on getting educational credits for veterinary professionals who listen to these videos as well. Listeners can also log into the Ohio as well as the national VMA website and access many excellent articles and resources. And one last great resource is the website Not One More Vet, which is an online veterinary support group founded in 2014 by veterinarian Dr. McCole MacArthur. It's grown into an international group of veterinary professionals who come together on Facebook to lend a supportive ear with their colleagues. We've actually been hearing more about that. That's not the first time I've heard about, you know, not one more bet. So happy to hear that it's got some traction. And what I understand, it's got a, a large following as well. There's it over 20,000 doctors that participate in it. And right. just kind of a safe space to come and share, you know, your experiences and not feel quite so alone. Exactly. So would those resources apply for substance abuse as well? They apply more to stress and burnout, depression okay. and anxiety than to substance abuse. Okay. 
We at OPHP offer a lot more in terms of help for substance use disorders. Okay. Contacting us would be a, a good place outlet. to start. Yes. So if I'm a doctor in crisis and I need immediate assistance, I would reach out to you all directly? Yes. You would speak with a team member who would walk you through what the assessment and or treatment options look like. We always recommend, if treatment's necessary, to go to a facility that specializes in substance use disorders for professionals. And one of our team members always stays connected with you during your evaluation and treatment process to guide you through the next steps. And treatment could range from having a residential inpatient stay to intensive outpatient treatment. Well, I understand that, you know, you do see doctors across the spectrum. So human medicine, you know, veterinarians, obviously. So can you talk to us a little bit about specifically, you know, what you may be seeing in the veterinary profession more prevalently? We are seeing a lot more veterinary professionals, and we're aware of the many challenges and unique pressures that they face in their work on a day-to-day basis. They have consistently high rates of compassion fatigue, as well as depression and anxiety, and sadly, even suicide. Uh, We've had a couple of veterinarians suicide in the past few years who've worked with us. So we look at all the factors and potential barriers that contribute to the current concerns a veterinary comes to us with, and then we develop an individualized wellness plan to help address the concerns. Now, are communication and or treatment services rendered by OPHP confidential? Yes. Okay. So yeah, we just want to make sure that people understand that, again, this is a safe place to come and get assistance and treatment. Let's say I've got a colleague in my practice and I've got some concerns about their well-being and I want to know how I can support them. Do you have any recommendations on tactics for that? Yes. I think the best technique is always to express the concern to the individual with care and compassion. Things like, I've noticed that you seem more irritable at work lately, or I've noticed you're showing up to work later on some days. I'm concerned about you. I'm worried. And we sit down and have a cup of coffee and talk about it. Be a lending ear and yes. of support physically. You know, you're there and yes. letting them know that you're concerned. Mm-hmm. And so all things with love and care. Yes, that's right. <laughs> the sooner that a person can get help, the better. Because as I mentioned, with veterinary professionals who do show compassion fatigue, if it's not addressed early, it can progress to a serious depressive disorder. And with depression comes the risk of suicide. So we like to make sure that folks know there's help available uh, and we're a part of that help. And the sooner the better. So kind of along those same lines, do you all offer any preventative services in the form of group counseling or one-on-one counseling that someone could take advantage of? We do offer preventive services, and those services basically are to be available to meet with a psychiatrist, who's me, to talk about, again, what's going on in your life, in your practice, and to look at what can we do to help you manage better if you're struggling in a certain area. So that's one preventive resource that we offer now that we didn't used to offer. There are also other kinds of preventive resources that are available through those websites I mentioned earlier. And then There are a couple of courses I'd like to mention that are excellent for providing tools to learn how to manage your own stress level and develop resiliency. One is a two-day course that's sponsored by the Duke Patient Safety Center. It's called Enhancing Caregiver Resilience, and it's held four times a year 
And then the other one I recommend, it's a four-day course that's sponsored by the American Meditation Institute called Rediscovering Your Love of Medicine and Life. And it's always in the fall uh, in the Berkshires, and it's lovely. I've taken them each a couple of times and always walk away with new things I've learned and can put into practice. Okay. It's wonderful that you can speak to that personally. So thank you for sharing that. Sure. What recommendations do you have for our listening audience regarding overall wellness? One thing that's taught at the Duke Patient Safety Center and in their course is that there's pillars of resilience that you can put into practice every day. There's five of them. The first one's being self-aware, such as knowing what things tire you out and when you're tired, knowing what things fill you up and give you energy, so being self-aware. The next is self-care, which has a lot to do with self-compassion. So you have to love yourself to be able to take care of yourself. And that means not only just eating healthy and exercise and getting good sleep, but also knowing when to say no to things when you're getting depleted. Saying no is okay. Another pillar of resilience is relationships, spending time with the ones you love, having mentors and friends in the workplace. The fourth pillar is purpose having something outside yourself, something bigger that you devote your time to. And often just reminding yourself why you went into the field can often help ground you. And lastly, mindfulness, which means just being present in the moment, paying attention as opposed to mindlessness where we just go through the motions. Right. And I can leave you with one easy exercise that's very beneficial. It's called Three Good Things. Okay. And it was developed by the father of positive psychology, Dr. Martin Seligman. And research has demonstrated that one of the best ways to experience positive emotion and increase well-being is to write down three good things that happen every day. And one study showed that if you do this for just two weeks, Mm -hmm. it's more effective than taking Prozac. Oh, wow. Lasts up to six months, and it's a lot more fun than having to take a No kidding. Well, that's an easy one to employ. I'll be doing that in my journal tonight. Mm Mm-hmm. And I will, if I can, mention a story of a veterinarian that we helped. Oh, certainly. So this was a call we got from a late career vet telling us she was feeling burned out. She was frustrated with a facility she'd worked at for almost 30 years as it it changed from a mom and pop type of place to a corporate giant. Mm. There were different expectations. She was also getting increasingly frustrated with the demands and unrealistic expectations from her clients. So when we talked with her, it was clear that she had progressed from compassion fatigue to developing a pretty serious major depression and would benefit from treatment. So we referred her to a therapist for counseling and a psychiatrist for medications. We also talked about retirement planning, and then she was given a number of stress management resources. And when we asked her what was helpful in working with us, she said, quotes, the personal conversation and ability to get things off my chest and to hear someone's reflective perspective and having a professional's prompt availability and response gave me confidence that I've got you in my corner, end Mm. quotes. Wow. That's pretty powerful. So thank you. We thank you again for being here with us today and sharing wonderful information. And for anyone who'd be interested, we will have all these resources available in the show notes. Next on Fully Vetted, David sits down with OVMA Secretary of the Board, Dr. Eric Gordon, to discuss his volunteerism and how he chooses to give back to the profession. Today we have Dr. Eric Gordon, who is a professor and director of the OSU Large Animal Services in Marysville, Ohio. He's been practicing veterinary medicine for 22 years and lives in Zanesfield, Ohio. How are you? I'm good, David. Thank you. So what made you decide to serve as a volunteer leader for the Ohio Veterinary Medical Association? 
before I was in veterinary school, I saw some mentors of mine that I had, even in high school and in my undergrad career, serving on the OVMA board. And I always respected those folks and, and looked up to those people and thought that it was a cool organization, something that I hoped that I could be involved with someday down the road. And, and then as a veterinary student at Ohio State University, I was able to firsthand see OVMA's involvement, even with veterinary students and with the profession. And then after graduation, one of the first things that I was able to experience with OVMA as a veterinarian was, of course, the, the Midwest Conference. And I just always enjoyed that meeting, the friendships that you develop with colleagues and, and the continuing education that it offered. And so I just was always impressed with the meeting and, and what OVMA did in that regard for its members. Obviously, when you're first out of school, one of the fun things to do is, is to go back and see those folks that you graduated with. So it was kind of an annual reunion, so to speak, for several years. So that had a lot to do with my interest in OVMA. And I was asked not long after I came to work at Ohio State 14 years ago, I was asked to serve on the Food Animal Education Committee for the Midwest Veterinary Conference. And, uh, and I thought that was a great opportunity to help set the meeting, help set the speakers and, and be involved in that conference that I had always uh, enjoyed so much as a participant. So and while it sounds somewhat corny or cliche, you know, I, I was looking for a way to give back, a, a way to give back to the profession, a way to give back to the organization. And there's lots of different ways that we can give back as veterinarians. And, and one of those ways is, is to give some of our time. Being a board member to me is just an opportunity for me to give something that I, I can and, and in terms of time back to OVMA. That's a, that's a great answer. And it seems that OVMA has been a presence not only in your professional career, but obviously throughout your life. And so how do you see OVMA serve the profession? As I already mentioned, one of the things that I think a lot of veterinarians in, in Ohio or in this part of the country, what they see OVMA as is, is as the, the body that executes the Midwest Veterinary Conference. Midwest Conference is a great meeting, well attended. We, we have outstanding speakers, and, and that's a great continuing education opportunity and, and networking opportunity. And I think that's what a lot of folks see, and that's, that's a huge part of what OVMA does. But there's so many more things that OVMA does outside of that, and most of those things go unnoticed or happen behind the scenes. And, and until you dive into it, you, sometimes you don't even know. You know, as a, as a board member, I actually was more exposed to some of those things. And, and one of the big things that OVMA does is lobbying and having influence on our legislative bodies. And I think that a lot of our members don't even know all the behind the scenes work that goes into that and how the, the legislative aspect of OVMA works to both protect and preserve the profession. There's many other things that members can access as services from OVMA, but, but I'll give you one specific example. Here a couple of years ago, I had the opportunity to be firsthand intimately involved with uh, an issue that arose following a, a veterinary student lawsuit in the state of Missouri. Many of our veterinary members became concerned about having veterinary students or young folks that uh, were maybe not even in veterinary school yet coming and shadowing or visiting or, or riding along with veterinarians in their practice. And so one of the cool things that OVMA was able to do through that was to work with different organizations and, and legal counsel and was able to develop a 
liability release form that our members can now access to protect them when they have those types of externship or shadowing opportunities. That's a small example, but that's something I'm proud of and I think something that our members should be proud of that OVMA does. Appreciate that. And I think, you know, your answer really details and, and shows all of the different ways that OVMA does serve the profession. So let's take a step outside the profession. Tell us something unique about yourself outside of your, your day job. As a professor at Ohio State University, I'm constantly telling my students that they need to make sure that they have life outside of veterinary medicine. And obviously, as most veterinarians, we spend a tremendous amount of our time in life uh, working in veterinary medicine. But nonetheless, there are things that I enjoy to do. Um, one of my passions is restoring and collecting antique tractors. That's something that was a big part of my upbringing and a big part of my family. I think I inherited that from my father. While I don't have enough time to do that, while as much as I'd like to, that's an important thing. Obviously, family is huge for me, and spending time with my kids doing their activities ends up occupying a tremendous amount of my free time, whether it's soccer or swimming or whatever we're doing. And, and even though it might be hard to believe, if you know me, um, one of the things that I've really developed a passion for as I've gotten older is skiing. And so I spend a fair amount of time in the winter whenever I have a few hours running away to do some skiing. And, and that's been a, a good way for me to turn my brain off uh, a little bit for a few hours and, and just enjoy skiing and snowmobiling. That's great. Well, we appreciate you spending a couple minutes with us today. And obviously, thank you for your service to the profession and the OVMA board. You're welcome. Thank you. Coming up on the next Fully Vetted. With the tremendous link of animal cruelty and interpersonal violence, domestic violence, child abuse, and elder abuse, there are so many people that could be at risk that veterinarians really need to report. And if they're not sure, just pick up that phone and talk with someone, maybe another veterinarian that does that kind of work, and say, what do you think? It doesn't mean whenever you report that everybody's going into handcuffs, they're all going to jail. It's about what's best for the people, and it's about what's best for the animals. Join us for a fascinating conversation with forensic veterinarian Dr. Melinda Merck in two weeks right here on Fully Vetted. The Ohio Veterinary Medical Association is always seeking ways to enrich your member experience. To access resources mentioned in this episode, share your feedback and suggestions, and send us an email or voice message, please visit www.fullyvettedpodcast.com. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you prefer to listen so you never miss an episode. I'm Kristen Bennett, and on behalf of the OVMA, thanks for listening to Fully Vetted. We'll see you next time.